I mean, everything is insurable as long as you're willing to pay the price, but certain houses are more expensive in the insurance than others. If they had prior claims, believe it or not, if the prior homeowner had like a water claim or a fire claim that stays with the property for three to five years, depending on the, the carrier um, that's uh, giving you the quote. Welcome to the Home Buying Podcast with Marat from The Lending Group. Agents, grab insights from top industry leaders, explore best practices, and redefine success. Stay ahead, stay informed, and take your real estate career to the next level with Marat. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome to the First Time Home Buyer Seminar. Uh, this week I have Elsa Arbiman with us. She is from the Arbiman Insurance Agency. She's been in the uh, homeowners, property, casualty, and life, right, as well? Yeah, and life insurance. Awesome. For the last 15 years. Uh, so, Elsa, thanks for joining us. I uh, appreciate your time here with us and sharing the information. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So, tell me a little bit about you. How did you get into insurance? I know, you know, we went to high school together, but <laughs> how did you get here? <laughs> Yeah, so absolutely. I started uh, in the insurance industry right out of college. I went for uh, risk management and insurance in Temple uh, Business School. And after college, I got a job working for Nationwide Insurance doing property homeowner claims. Um, that got old and wanted a change and uh, a sales opportunity came along. And I thought that was a great way to connect with people uh, meet people, help them, uh, you know, in the insurance world. And really, I enjoy working with people and making sure that they buy appropriate coverage and insure their homes, their cars, their livelihoods uh, with the appropriate level of coverage. Okay. And how did you end up starting your own agency? What was the catalyst? Yeah, so actually, I was um, offered uh, to uh, to start a program that Nationwide was hosting where um, you go through like a training for two years. And then once you complete the training, they partner you up with a retiring agent. So lucky for me at the time I was done the program, there was an agent in the area that was retiring and I was able to um, take over their agency. And in addition to ever since he retired, obviously, you know, carry over new business and so forth. So uh, the agency that I'm in now has been uh, here probably for like 50 years already, if you're okay. counting. You know. Yeah. Oh, so we're awesome. So you like kind of like took over a book of business. Yeah. And like, so we're like, you know, ensuring like third generations already from that book. Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, you know, um, obviously this is more related towards financing and mortgage. That's what we talk about here. And, uh, uh, you know, I always preach about being prepared for your next purchase, whether it's a primary residence purchase or investment property or a second home. And I always talk about getting pre-approved and getting ready in the finance side. But, you know, as the insurance has changed, you know, here in Pennsylvania, New Jersey and other states that I do business in, um, you know, it's become more evident for me that you also need to get prepared on the insurance side. And Absolutely. so what, what are your thoughts about that? Like, what can people do when they're looking for homes or maybe they earmark the property um, and they're ready to put a, put an offer in and maybe they've already gotten the pre-approval? How important is it to reach out to someone like yourself and get, you know, sort of a, I don't know, maybe a, like a clean bill of health on the property? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I always recommend to all my clients, friends, and family, if you're looking for a house and you think that that's a house you want to give an offer to, call an agent ahead of time and get a quote. Uh, sometimes there could be properties that are, uh, I mean, everything is insurable as long as you're willing to pay the price, but certain houses are more expensive in the insurance than others. If they had prior claims, believe it or not, if the prior homeowner had like a water claim or a fire claim that stays with the property for three to five years, depending on the, the carrier um, that's uh, giving you the quote. So it's always a good idea so that you're not last minute, uh, you know, looking to call your agent and get a quote and find out that the insurance quote is too high. Um, and then sometimes that's a deal breaker for people, whether it's their, you know, ratios or expenses and things like that. So I always say, before you even give an offer, um, you know, we can always plug in the information and get your quote, at least, you know, if there was any losses within the last three to five years, and what the approximate price range is for the homeowners insurance to make sure it fits your budget. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. And you touched on a very important point. You know, obviously when we pre-approve a client, we put in a estimate for homeowners insurance or flood, you know, if they're in a flood zone or not, and that could change from property to property based on the history of the property. How long does that process take? Like how long, you know, sometimes the offer and acceptance on the offer is pretty quick. What's, what should people allow themselves time-wise? For a quote? Yeah. Within the same day. Gotcha. Yeah, so pretty easy. Just get in touch with you, provide basic information, and you you can get a quote. Yeah, and like we just need the property address, the borrower's uh, first name, last name, and their date of birth, and we can get them a quote within the same day. Gotcha. And what are some of the factors that would change the uh, cost of, of the policy? Like, you know, for example, you know, you and I have a situation now where the borrower went out and they got their own policy. Um, you know, I estimated a much lower uh, cost for insurance because of the size of the loan and the purchase price. But I guess the age of the property came back with a much higher number. You're, you look, looked at the property. What are, what are some of the things that, that can affect the cost? So um, uh, believe it or not, the, uh, the borrower's credit score has a big effect on uh, the cost of the insurance. Uh, also, right now, a lot of insurance companies are charging more money for a house with a flat roof. Okay. Or sometimes uh, some carriers stepped away from writing new policies with a flat roof. Like if you have an existing policy with that company, they're not going to cancel you or drop you, but they're not writing new business with a flat roof. So that's been a big factor recently. Okay. Um, the other thing is the age of, the, so those are the bigger things. The other smaller things that go into effect is the age of the roof. Like when was it less updated? Mm -hmm. uh, the heating, the air conditioning, when that was updated. So when people are purchasing a house and they're looking for homeowners quotes, it's a good idea to ask. Maybe that realtor can get into the conversation. But those are the big things that insurance companies look at. When was the roof last updated? Heating or air conditioning last updated? Electrical water heater? Um, because if a if a if a borrower calls us, they may not know all of that information. So if they have a way of asking the realtor or the home seller ahead of time. Those could save a, a quite a bit of money on the insurance premium. Um, the other things that insurance companies look at is um, the area, obviously, of where the house is for, you know, the suburbs versus Philadelphia um, and the age of the house. Gotcha. Okay. 
And if I'm a homeowner and I and I did a home inspection, is that beneficial or would you rather not see it? Uh, it doesn't. I mean, it's beneficial in a way. When we work on an insurance quote, we go by reconstruction costs. How much would it cost to rebuild the house ground up if it was a total loss? Mm -hmm. A lot of times people are, you know, we'll come back and we'll say the reconstruction cost is $500,000. Yes. And the customer says, well, I don't want to insure it for $500,000. I only want to insure it for my loan amount, $300,000. But um, you can't do that from an insurance perspective because then you get into lawsuits and things like that. So uh, it is beneficial to see the appraisal, but a lot of times all those photos are online too. Okay. Uh, so we just go through, uh, especially for new, you know, if a house is being a new purchase, we go in the internet, we see how many garages, how many, you know, bathrooms, the outside structure, things like that. And that's how we build the reconstruction cost. Got it. Sounds good. And, you know, also home buying, I think is kind of like very much a part of wealth building. So I know you do life and, and other types of insurance. What do you recommend? Like, you know, if I'm, if I'm, let's say a first time home buyer, right. And I'm just starting out my family, would you recommend to add like a life insurance policy? And then if so, do you, do you tend to go towards term or whole? I know a lot of people may not even know the difference, but can you educate us a little bit? Absolutely. So yes, it would absolutely make sense for people establishing, you know, households, uh, families. Uh, so say you're getting a loan for 30 years and somebody's 30 years old today, they have young children, they have, you know, a loan to worry about, possibly some other debt. Uh, so I would always recommend uh, to get a life insurance policy to at least cover the loan amount. Mm -hmm. So that's when you get into a 30, you know, the term insurance. So you can purchase term insurance for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. And that premium stays the same and never changes for the duration of that um, time frame. You okay. can always stop paying the policy and then you don't have it anymore. But the last thing you want to do is, you know, purchase a house, have a loan, something happens, and then people have to move out of their house, change schools for their kids, things like that. So to at least cover the loan is a great idea, but sometimes, you know, to even purchase a little bit extra. And when you're looking for somebody who's like in their 30s and if they're in good health, they can get a decent policy for say half a million dollars for like maybe $50, $40 a month. In my opinion, that, that goes a long way if something ever happens. Um, when you're talking about whole life policy, you know, for, for $50 a month, you might get $20,000 of coverage. So that's not really going to be very helpful as far as, you know, loan or any other debt payoff. Gotcha. Okay. And do you recommend whole, like I know for me individually, I have a bunch of whole and term, uh, you know, and, and I guess that depends who, who is like the breadwinner in the family and who's yeah. generating more of the income. How do you usually analyze that? So yeah, so it's so for who the breadwinner is, but also like you think about if you have like, if a, you have a stay-at-home spouse, uh, she might not be, you know, or he might not be bringing income in, but all the, you know, the watching of the children and the babysitting service and everything else, that all adds up too. Um, so, you know, the rule of the thumb uh, from what they tell you about in, you know, life school education, you take your salary, you times it by three, your annual salary times it by three is what your death and ben your benefits should be. The other way to go is sometimes we'll say, okay, you can purchase two policies. Say you want a million dollars of coverage. 
but you only need a million dollars of coverage your first, say, 10 years. So you can get a 10-year term and a 20-year term at half a million dollars each. And then you have, you know, two policies for 10 years and then you just have one and you're not paying all that extra premium that you don't need 10 years later when you're eliminating some of your debt. Okay. The other thing is insurability too. Like somebody might be healthy today and it's easier to apply for a policy. The, the older somebody gets or, you know, any kind of illnesses, those kind of things take away from, you know, the cost of the insurance as it goes up. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, on the whole, as that accumulates, do you recommend, you know, maybe taking loans against it? I know that that's an option for-, for It is. That's an option where people, so if people need to take loans, absolutely. It's there for them. It's available. The other whole life policy that I like is, have you ever heard of whole life where you pay it off in 20 years? No. Okay. So- when you purchase a whole life policy, say you're, you know, somebody's 30 years old, they buy a whole life policy, they have to pay for it for the rest of their life. Right. And as people's life expectancy to go up, the, the amount that people have to pay goes longer. So it used to be to age 90, then it went to age 100. Now it's actually to age 120. So somebody who's buying a whole life policy today, and they're going to have to pay for it forever. Uh, because as soon as you stop paying for it, you no longer have the benefit. So say, for example, you're paying $100 a month for a whole life policy for, you know, $100,000 in benefit, for example, and you're 30 years old, you're going to pay that for as long as you live. You can purchase a whole life policy where you pay it off in 20 years. So instead of paying $100 a month, you might be paying, say, $120 a month. But the benefit is you and you eventually end up paying it off. And then so by the time you're 50, that policy is paid off, the benefit is there, and then you never have to pay for it again. So yeah. while you're paying a little bit higher premium, but eventually you pay it off. And it's not like a term policy that it doesn't exist anymore. It's still there. Gotcha. So the idea is you pay it off while you're in your earning years. And then when you're closer to retirement, or you become on fixed income, you still have the coverage, but you're not paying on a monthly basis. Exactly. Plus, if you if you live if you end up living longer, you end up saving money because you're only paying for it for 20 years instead right. of 50, 60, or you know years. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Makes sense. Anything yeah. else from a from a standpoint of um, insurance? Like you know, I, I know most of our clients that buy homes also have an auto policy. So um, is there any benefits to combining auto, home, and maybe life with one carrier? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. So it all comes down to numbers. And we always look to see if bundling makes sense. Most of the time it does. Very few times it doesn't for one reason or another. But we always look to see if we can bundle it together with the same company uh, to maximize the savings, but our agency is a broker. So we do work with a lot of different carriers okay. and sometimes uh, a certain carrier has a better price for this area for a car because you have to consider, you know, the young drivers, the age of the house, there's so many different things that come into the insurance that sometimes it's more beneficial not to bundle. And a lot of times it's more beneficial to bundle. The other thing I would say to people that are purchasing you know, homeowners insurance or auto insurance, 
don't don't go for the cheapest option like right now like what you pay is what you get for your insurance you don't want to save that one or two hundred dollars and then something happens and you don't have enough coverage or you know you didn't purchase an endorsement that's like water backup for example and then somebody's you know basement um though you know gets flooded and then you're losing 50 or a hundred thousand dollars of damage that's not covered listen you know go over all the options. And that's what we do. We sit there, we educate the customer, we let them know what they're purchasing, what they're covered for. Um, and, you know, if you're buying a half a million dollar house, make sure you buy enough coverage and you spend that extra couple dollars to buy adequate insurance coverage for your uh, homeowners, especially like liability. A lot of times I'll see people purchase a half a million dollar home and purchase $100,000 in liability coverage. And then they have a pool and a trampoline and they have friends come over and stuff that doesn't even make sense. If something happens, you know, you can be brought into the lawsuit against your personal assets. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And as you, you started to talk about liability, I kind of started to switch gears a little. What, what if you're an investor, you know, like I, I purchase property, right. And we've done policies for like uh, uh, builder's risk. You know, mm -hmm. how, do, how does builder's risk work and how do investment property purchases work? Do you recommend buying properties? And I know that this may be a combination of a legal question and a, and a financing question, but if I'm buying a property as an investment property and I purchase it on my name and I can qualify for a loan under investment property guidelines, um, but, you know, many times people say, oh, purchase and learn an LLC for liability purchases purposes would you recommend doing maybe umbrella coverage how, how do you see those purchases okay so the umbrella is separate um as far as when you're purchasing properties in a personal name you're opening up your personal name for exposure for lawsuits so anytime you're going to purchase rental properties or investment properties in the name of an llc you're taking that exposure away from you so that in my opinion that's always the better way to go but yes, then you get into the higher loans, which you can talk about, you know, the taxes and everything else. But there'll be people that I talk to that have a lot of rental properties in their names. You can't, sometimes you can't even buy that much umbrella coverage to protect yourself against so much assets that people have. Um, if you have a couple properties and they're in your name, um, you know, it's not that big of a deal as far as exposure because you can always purchase an umbrella policy, which is, you know, the way to go. So you can buy anywhere between one to $5 million of umbrella coverage in your personal name. The other thing I wanna just quickly touch base when it comes to just to go off gear a little bit, but car insurance, people will have state minimum coverage on their auto insurance and have a million dollar home or have you know three rental properties in their name. Keep in mind the way you, you, know, you put everything on the hood of your car when you're driving and all of that is at risk. So you want to make sure that I know this isn't about car insurance, but you also want to make sure that you have enough auto insurance coverage because for some people, 15,000 is plenty of coverage. They have, you know, their own fixed income and they live in an apartment and that's fine. But people that have assets, real estate, homes, you know, investment properties in their name, that's not the way to go. And there's so many people that have that, um, you know, we try to do our best as far as letting people know and educating them about the importance of, you know, appropriate coverage for their car insurance. But to go back to 
Uh, the investment, if you're purchasing, you know, the in the LLC, yes, those are usually, you know, people buy them with a million dollars of liability coverage. Okay. And then you can purchase an umbrella policy on top of that and you're better protected that way too. Okay. So my rule of thumb over the years has always been and what I recommend to clients is if you're if you're in a bucket of one to 10 properties, you can still purchase it in, in your name because you can get the umbrella coverage. Mm -hmm. Once you get past 10 properties, you should definitely consider LLC transactions because then you become, then it's not just like passive income and becomes almost like a secondary business. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? So, uh, well, the umbrella policy you can go up to five million dollars. So, and is that five million? So, if you have five million worth of real estate, you cover five million worth of umbrella, like them off the market value, or how does how do you? Does so, you can, when you purchase an umbrella policy, you can go, you can buy one anywhere between one to five million dollars. Okay. So, if you have ten properties, how much are those properties valued at? Plus, you have to consider your other assets, you have to consider your, uh, you know, your primary home or any of your vacation homes. So you kind of consider all of that. Now, a lot of times, as far as your insurance goes, some companies will say, okay, if a, if a, if a client has more than four rental units, not even properties units, they consider that a business. Mm -hmm. And then they say, now you have to purchase what's called a commercial policy. Mm -hmm. So the commercial policy, although you're purchasing it, uh, the house is in your personal name and you have to get a commercial policy, you're still going to get rated at a commercial policy rates because now they're saying your personal insurance is intended for your personal bit, personal affairs. Once you start building a bigger portfolio of um, real estate, you start, the insurance companies look at you as an investment and that you're doing business and that doesn't belong in the personal lines does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally makes sense. And if you have umbrella coverage and let's say someone falls at your investment property and they sue you as the landlord, the umbrella coverage then comes in and you get representation and, you know, so that you're not, you're not risking your, your primary home or your 401 or whatever the case. Absolutely. Is. Absolutely. Okay. And the how other, does, go okay. ahead. So, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing I strongly recommend people that have tenants and stuff, I would strongly recommend people uh, requiring their tenants to carry renter's insurance. Yeah. It's very inexpensive, but it goes a long way to protect the landlord. Say for example, the tenant caused like a kitchen fire, that fire is gonna go in the landlord's uh, you know, claims history. But then if there's subrogation where we can say, yes, the tenant was negligent and we can go after the tenant's insurance policy, that takes it off of you because like we talked about in the beginning, claims stay with you and they stay with the house. Well, if you have 10 rental properties and you have 10 different tenants and somebody caused a kitchen fire, somebody else had a water damage that they were negligent for, and they didn't have renter's insurance, your insurance has no subrogation and they're all going to count for you. Next time somebody's going to buy a house, uh, you know, that same investor, their rates will go up or they might not even be eligible for certain carriers. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and what about builder's risk? So I know a good, a good amount of, of the people that I service and just like, you know, friends, family, um, you know, have all been either in or want to be in the fix and flip business. So how does builder's risk work? What do you, what do you need to cover? What do you need to know? 
So as far as builder's risk, it's a big uh, topic right now with everybody, you know, buying and flipping houses, as you know. Yeah. Um, so you're, pur you're purchasing the coverage for the building as it is, plus you're, per you're covering, so say the building currently valued at 200,000, then you say, how much are you going to put work into it? So say another $100,000. And while that's under renovation, that's where you get that building coverage for. Because if you're purchasing a, a regular homeowners or a regular dwelling fire policy, it's not going to cover you for vacant or while a home is under construction. So builder's risk is basically for houses that are being worked on for a project for renovations. And then things to know when you're calling the agent about it is the value that you want to insure it at, what's the value after the renovation, what's the budget, they're going to want to know who the contractors are that are going to do the work and so forth. Okay, awesome. And, and then you other... want to make sure that the, I'm sorry, one more thing, you want yeah. to make sure the builder that's working on the uh, the project for you has their own uh, liability insurance because it's the builder's liability insurance is that's covering the liability if something was to happen. Yeah, and just from my personal experience, always get a certificate insurance with you as the certificate holder, certificate yeah. Holding. Yeah. Yeah. Being so, listed as a certificate holder. Yeah. 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 Um, any other nuggets you could share with the audience, whether they're first time home buyers, anything that you feel is, is super crucial for us to know when buying insurance? Um, I think like, it's super crucial to purchase liability, okay. uh, appropriate level of liability coverage, whether it's your car insurance, your home insurance, your investment properties. Um, People sometimes feel like, oh, I paid off my house. I don't need insurance anymore. And they'll call to cancel the insurance. Um, yes, you can predict that, okay, you can assume a risk of say $200,000 out of pocket if you want to do that and gamble. But liability goes a long way. If somebody trips and falls and gets hurt or injured, or you have a gas leak in the house, all kinds of things could cause, you know, never go without insurance for homeowners. Okay, awesome. Um, well, as we wrap things up, how do we get a hold of you? What's your social media, your uh, IG handle? How do we sure. get in touch with us? Sure. So thanks. My office is in Langhorne, 200 okay. South Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Okay. Uh, my website is arbitmaninsurance.com and uh, on Facebook, Elsa Arbitman Agency. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate you being here and I'm sure we'll chat again. I'll see you later. All right. See you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye -bye. Take care. Take care. That's a wrap for today's home buying podcast with Marat from The Lending Group. Real estate agents keep thriving and stay ahead with expert guidance from Marat. Join us again next time and together, let's build a successful real estate future.